When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 
This episode of the Fighting Cop podcast is dedicated to Andy Porter, the club historian who recently passed away. He had an encyclopedic knowledge of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. He would do his utmost to help any Spurs fans, and he always had the club's best interest in heart. You'll be greatly missed. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's episode 15, season 4 of the Fighting Cop podcast. We'd like to welcome Neil from Enoch Out. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Martin Cloak from The Trust. Hi, nice to be back. And we've got Kat for the first time from The Trust. I should say it's Neil's first time as well. Hi. How's everyone doing? Good, thank you. Felonious Filth returns once again. Hello, good evening, listeners. And I'm Flav. Um... We usually do a kind of introduction to, you know, ask some questions, find out how Spurs people really are. But given that you're from the Trust and Neil, you're from Enochow, I don't really think we need to do that. Let's go over that one, Flash. You've already established your credentials as, as Spurs fans, your concern with the club and, and what, what your influence is. But I think the listeners want to know what the biggest animal they could all cling, call, could all put to a cling... What? I've got all get off case in the podcast. What you were doing this thing? It's just like What do you want? Someone else say it. What's the biggest animal you could cling film to? A lamppost. There you go. Oh God, a giraffe probably. You couldn't do that. That's ridiculous. A giraffe. A giraffe. Yeah. What do you reckon, Neil? I'm thinking about this. I reckon probably a donkey. The dog? No, oh, you're a big lad. Neil's a unit. To be fair, he's a unit. Obviously, but you couldn't lift the dog off the floor. Alright, Um. Oh, I'll right. be a cat then. <laughs> <laughs> You've got, you got to try for an elephant, and you? You've got to be ambitious, really, you know. There's ambition, and then we're proper kind of. Yeah, but I still think we might win the league one day before I die, so I'm fucking well, mental, you know. That is ridiculous. <laughs> um, that's quite a joyous way to start the podcast, given that what happened yesterday against Stoke. Nothing uh, happened, mate. Nothing happened. There was no game. Um, what we usually do is talk about the game uh, and and how it went in the first half but we've changed it around this week because there's probably more important issues to talk about we know we all know how bad it was we will probably visit depending how, how how it goes in the in the second half of the podcast but for now um we're going to do Enoch out and we're going to do uh the trust as well in the first half uh, before we do that, though, we want to thank everyone for their votes. The closing, uh, the votes have closed for the Football Bloggers Awards. Um, and we're going up on Thursday. Yeah, everyone's very excited. There's seven of us going. So three more sleeps. Ho- three more sleeps. <laughs> Hotels have been booked. Trains are booked. Uh, supplies have been bought. Um, and there's <coughs> a lot of biscuits. Yeah, a lot of biscuits. Yeah, a lot of uh, Gary Baldies. Uh, I think is he the new centre back? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, there's also 1882 Partizan um, Belgrade on the 27th of October. November. So November. Good work, Kat. Thanks. And um, we're also considering Newcastle, but I'm not sure how that's going to go because I don't know how many tickets they're going to take and how busy it's going to be. I c- did they fill their allocation out when we played them? I don't, Ooh, think they did. don't think they did, but they were allowed a bigger allocation for a cup game. But a midweek so, down from Newcastle, Spurs would take allocation. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but Best away sport in the country. Uh, clearly. Clearly. Absolutely. Um, so we, we're looking into it, essentially. Um, we're not going to know from the club if we can take 35 until much later. And if we're going to do this because of the popularity of the game and the likelihood that it always sold out, although we haven't sold out a Premier League game for a while now. Um we're looking into it and we'll let you know just keep an eye on the Twitter account that's love the shirt 
And Engineer Al, as you know, has been doing his Thunderfall campaign. So uh, if you don't know, he's essentially not got any money to do his drama course. So he's asking people to pay for it. That's, that's the crux of it, essentially. Oh. But he's doing things in return. Like, he promises if he manages to raise the eight grand he needs to get himself through drama school. It's like literally the story out of a really bad porno. Um, <laughs> he said he's going to do a backflip in uh, Bel Air car park. Whoa! This is someone who can't do a backflip and who's not a gymnast. So I don't know why he's... I've got images of my mum crying and cracked heads and all that kind of thing. So, <laughs> he wants to wear a helmet. He, he's got a big old noggin. Oh, there's no, I've never seen someone... With a head that size, you can get to get around a flip. So that'll be interesting uh, and f- scary for me. But anyway, uh, it's for hashtag Thunderful. The video's out. Have a look. And if you've got a few shekels to spare, then send it his way. It's a worthy cause. OK, let's just get to the matter at hand. I should say, actually, that we were trying to get uh, Neil on to talk about um, Enoch out uh, and, and that whole campaign that you've started. And you was a little bit hesitant. Hmm. Um, why, why was that? Do you think? Um, I, I, so, it's this. Let's try and approach this from the start. So, the account was set up two years ago, nearly two years ago. Um, yeah. I think initially after we lost six nil to um, to Liverpool um, under AVB's reign, and it wasn't a knee jerk. It was ultimately looking at where we were to where we were now. Um, the fact that personally, I just thought AVB was underinvested, hadn't got the right players. Mm. Um, was kind of almost led down a garden path to a certain degree. Um, and from there, it just I wanted questions to the board. Um, and I know um, the Supporters Trust do some fantastic work. Um, and I just kind of thought maybe do my own route. This wasn't about me so ranting and raving and saying, you know, in account, I did it on my own personal account enough. Yeah, yeah. From blokes with rucksacks on tubes through to dogs yapping at night. Um, <laughs> it's kind of just having a platform where there's probably more than one person that felt the same. Um, so it's set up a couple of years ago, um, 18 months ago. Um, and from there, it's just kind of grown, and especially this more than anything this season, where I've just kind of thought, you know what, enough's enough. Um, and I'm not the only one that's um, disillusioned, disgruntled, um, disconnected. I think it's a great... Uh, dysentery, I think it's the other word I'm looking for. So, the three Ds, that should be a tagline. Yeah. Um, so, it's, it, it's just really looking at and getting other people, getting a, getting a larger share of voice. Um, and if it means more people join, end up joining the trust and they feel that they can share their voice via the trust, then brilliant. Or if, if they can feel that they can share it elsewhere, then brilliant. Um, but at the end of the day, there's just so many questions and problems and issues with Enoch as the investment company, as how they run the club, how they communicate with the fans. I mean, you know, I, I, I tweeted a, a couple of lists earlier, so, and we'll go through them. But yeah. that was kind of the point behind it. And now we've just seen an extra 1,000 users join in the last 24 hours. This is through um, your Twitter. Through Twitter. Which is at Enoch yeah. underscore out. I mean, it's, it's kind of... I've sat there now and thought, what, what do I do with it? I've got this toy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've chased the car. I don't know what to do with it now I've got there. Um, but I think it's just more a case of, of people have got a platform. They can be heard. Um, the more voices are heard as a, as a collective, is always going to be stronger. Um, you know, maybe Enoch will never go. Maybe they'll be here till the day I die and... Maybe we'll win one more cup in the next 14 years. But hopefully we may get something. Hopefully it may just for them to sit there and go, oh, hang on, people have got the hump. 
I, I think that's interesting because it's, uh, it, it's, you know, what you said there is, uh, and you know, I think you're asking the right questions. Actually, there's undoubtedly something there, and you know, there's been a different history of why people haven't asked the questions or where the questions haven't been been heard. Um, over the years with different ways that it's been an organisation. I think the problem with it is, uh, what you said was quite important, is, is that you, you're angry about it and you want to ask some questions, but how much do you want to put into it? And I sometimes think, you know, I took a decision about you know, 18 months ago after Cat and uh, the previous lot of people from We Are In 17 had, had revitalised the trust because it was being used as a fig leaf. And if we're going to be honest, some people within the trust were happy for it to be used as, as a fig leaf as well. And, you know, those arguments have gone on within the organisation. But there's the realisation that, that, you know, what, in the end what we want to do is we want to go and watch a football match and we want, it's entertainment. Uh, and what you do once you get involved on some kind of organisation side of it is that it kind of becomes like work. Uh, and because, oh, yeah, you, lot, you always complain about how much stuff you do. We, we don't do it to get the thanks, but that's part of the problem. That to achieve something, you've got to put some work into it. But I sometimes think, you know, I decided that, you know, rather than just talking about it, I would, I would step up, and I had the opportunity to do that. I'm not saying that everyone's got that opportunity, but that's the problem that we face, is that there's a lot more people who are pissed off and genuinely angry about what's going on and have got genuine questions that should be answered by a club that genuinely cares about its fans than are either prepared or able to put some work into doing that. And so that's what the club, that's what all football clubs actually, you know, and all people that, that run football have relied on, that in the end, how much do you want to kind of turn this into something you do for, for a job of work? How much do you want to get organised? And it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like being a union rep at your office or something like that. But you're great, you know. I'm glad we got one, but I won't do it myself. And that's the part of the problem we've got. How do we get that balance between keeping everybody involved and not overworking them, but also making sure that we've got some kind of, you know, active movement where people are doing stuff and putting pressure on the club. Most of these things come out of passion, though, don't they? Or, yeah. or, or yeah. just being moved emotionally to do something. And that's clearly what's happened with you. And, 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 and you know, may that continue as well. Absolutely. I mean, look, there's, there's so many people complain and, and, and moan about almost... Every, look, even just Spurs fans, every club gets it. And, 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 and Twitter is a brilliant vehicle for people complaining about issues that they have with the club or with football generally. But it's a different thing when you actually stand up and do something. Yeah. Because you're putting your head above the parapet, and people immediately start taking shots. You're going to take pelters all day long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we know from the 1882 how bad that that is. Yeah. We've received personal insults, all kinds of terrible stuff. But you grow a thick skin very quickly. You have to. You do. But and and you, you see tweets and people liking stuff that you say. Um, and I try and get my point across as eloquently as possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then you see fans that have been fans for, you know, see 70 year olds. You know, people that have been around a long, long, long time. Agreeing with what I'm saying, mm. so there, there, there is there is a connecting line there between. This isn't just a new thing. This is a connecting line over a course of decades. Whether that's how Spurs have been run as a club, even up to modern day, to say actually, you know what? Maybe I mean my question is: Having it taken us as far as they can, they yeah. did great work. They saved us from Lord Sugar and you know his stuff, and they saved us from a, from a great point. But have they taken as far as they can? And that's yeah. like, hence the reason all the questions that, I, that I've got. Well, look, I. I kind of... I've always been a bit hesitant about calling for Enoch to go because they have taken us far. I mean, we, we are a different club, a different beast entirely than we was before. But football is, football is, 14 years ago. I was <clears throat> about yeah. to say that, is that there's a lot more money in the game and Levy is clearly a, uh, a, a decent businessman. Hmm. He knows how to make money, he knows how to... Um, to not overspend, he knows how to, to recoup what he has spent and you saw that and, you know, I think we've... Is it a minus two million or, or, or in in net spend over the yeah. years, and that doesn't count. That doesn't count for all the money that's come into the club. That's purely on transfers. Yeah. And a lot of fans talk about uh, that that being a great thing, like the, we're we're balancing the books through transfers. 
But what you, that doesn't count for is the enormous amount of money that comes into the club from, from Sky. It doesn't take into account for gate receipts. And I get that they've got to pay like, players' wages out of that sort of stuff, but it, the, the money that's coming in through TV revenue and worldwide syndication far outweighs the amount of money we're spending on, on wages. So where is that money going? OK, so there's the, the youth... Uh, the, well, the training centre, which cost a lot of money. Which is an asset, which is owned by Nick, which is an <coughs> asset, which ultimately adds to their bottom line when they try and sell, which ultimately adds to their, their bottom yeah. line when they try and sell the company. So, pretty much, it's, you know, it's like the Brewster's Millions therapy. It's like everything you buy is an asset. Okay, so you basically uh, put together these twelve points, uh, and when you look at them, they are they are pretty damning. Um, the only thing in in in, in Levy's corner or, or Enix corner, I should say, not Levy so much. I mean, he, he's. He's, he has a role at the club and he runs the club, but we're talking about the company, mm. right? Um, well, that's an interesting one to come back to later, actually. As well. Okay, well, we can do that yeah. straight off this. Um, so these are these 12 points. Uh, the first one, ticket prices. Ticket prices, so um, two top-line clear stats. I mean, this is this is football's old. You've got the T-shirt on, you know, stand against modern football. Mm. It, it is the modern game. I understand that. I respect that. Um, but then again, if you look at other teams such as Liverpool, such as City... Relevant whether City are owned by the world's richest man or not, their ticket price has always been fair and standard. They're doing buy one get one free for uh, for Champions League games, and and, mm. and one of the issues. Just sorry to interrupt yeah. you, Neil. Um, one of the issues we have are supporters not unifying on these issues. Mm. What's great in Germany is that uh, supporters they, they come together. There is an issue that they all fight uh, fight against. There's a common enemy, and they get they get organised. Mm. In Britain. Uh, fans use it as a way to chastise other fans. There's video footage of uh, Man United fans singing this song about buy one, get one free at City when they, they themselves will complain about um, ticket prices. They shouldn't be doing that. It's, it's counterproductive. I think certainly at a trust level, there is a unified move, though, on this. I mean, we work, we work tirelessly, really, with Spirit of Shankly and yep. Chelsea and Arsenal and, and, you know, a lot of the Newcastle, a lot of the other trusts. Um, they're certainly aware that ticket pricing is a, is a massive deal. So we'll have national, you know, marches and demonstrations, etc., etc. So there is really that move there. And I've sat through three, three meetings in a week with the Premier League over this in July and August. So, you know, whilst I hear what you're saying at a terrorist level, at a chant level, yep. at a trust level, it's definitely a, a key priority. Absolutely. Because the last meeting you guys had with the club as well, yeah. it was raised, obviously, and the club... <laughs> probably kind of sort of semi-said, yeah, maybe it is an issue with us personally. And they kind of put their hands up mm -hmm. to that. Fair enough, that's fine. But, you know, there's, there's, I mean, I wrote it down. So uh, in 14 years we've had since Nick have been there, we've had a 77% increase in the cheapest season ticket. Um, you know, there's that BBC survey that came out recently that put us at the you know, second from mm -hmm. Actually, we're bottom because yeah. Arsenal includes More games. all their Champions yeah. League and yeah. Europe and More Cup games. Credits, yeah. We get a free game against um, some pub team. Um And then there's 59% increase in the cheapest matchday ticket. Um, it's, it's football in general, yeah, but as Spurs, as we are, is it value for money? Is, is what we've been sold as a vision 14 years ago which we'll come on to, is that, you know, is that, is that really value for money at the moment? And we know the problems with the ground, which we'll come on to, we know the size of it, we know our restrictions, and we know that to compete, we've got to pay more. And obviously it becomes a corporate environment, you make more money, we know that. Go for it. Well, I was going to say, um, I mean, obviously the remit is um, to want Enoch out, but do you think the relationship is repairable in any shape or form? Because I think a, a, rep a reparation in relationship is more likely than... Um, 
stepping down. Yeah, I mean, let's, 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 let's be honest. When I set the account up, I was pissed off because we just lost six 0 to Liverpool. Yeah, it's five and five. Sorry, things were in that bad. What are you talking about? It's five. Why'd you do this? Big rethink. That's it. I'm done quitting. What are you moaning about? Sorry, go on. Um, so, it, it, for, for me, it's as I said, I set it up in account under under that header. It was a bit shocking, it was a bit ranty. But yeah. now you sit there and you see the amount of fans that are, you know voice their own concerns, their anger, their displeasure at how everything's being run, how everything's being managed. Do you know what? Even if this this gets a response from the club, somehow we've just had a little tiny victory. Absolutely. Right? And that's that. Maybe maybe people said, well, what what happens if Enoch go out? What? Well, hang on. And I know it's a question that's been asked on Twitter a couple of times yesterday. I, will, I know you're going to ask me that question. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll answer it as well. But um, ultimately, it's just I just want to see a bit more love from the club. Right? Mm. That's what we want. And whether that love means they treat us as fans doesn't matter if you watch it on telly or a season ticket holder for a hundred years. Whether you just get something back from the club a little bit more, they don't have to. But hopefully, that's the case. Martin can jump in in a second on this as well. Uh, one of the, the main the main drum that we've been banging on this on a trust level is a calling for transparency and calling for more communication with fans. It's gone on for too long now. They, they work in an ivory tower. You know tower. you're not allowed to bang a drum in the ground, don't you? Yeah. You are now, actually. You've got it back. You're open, you're open. But, <laughs> yeah, you're open to leave. There's a small drum that's under the seat. It's not the original exactly one. Exactly yeah. right. Not the original drummer. But that's right, that's right. Um, we're calling for you know for them to talk to us. It, we're paying. We're stakeholders. We're paying customers in inverted commas. Yeah. Enough's enough now, really. So I mean, Martin, do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you know why it's why it's good what you're doing is is that a lot of the time we'll talk to the club and they'll you know when they decide that they actually want to talk to us and, huh. and, and call a meeting, which yeah. is, a, is an issue which we can talk about later as well. Um, it's better than it was, but it's not as good as it should be. But they'll say, well, you know, is, is that what people really think, or is that just what you are? And that's the other thing, whenever you get involved in an organisation, you say, well, you're the active militants, but actually the silent majority don't think that. So the more people that are saying, actually, we are pretty pissed off with this as well, yeah. that's really good that helps us out. The ticket pricing thing uh, is interesting, because actually I think that you know, what you say is true about the way that, that the British fans are, and I think a lot of the observation that the German fans make when you speak to the German fans reps is that the, the British fans seem to spend most of their time slagging off the opposition... Mm. Whereas the German fans spend a lot of their time saying we're brilliant yeah. as well, and there's an important difference, and there's mm. a bit more unity there. But there has been a, a lot more unity maybe over the last two or three years uh, than there has ever been, and a big problem with any organisation of fans in, in this country has been that people have got the loyalty to their club more than anything else. Now, you know, those FSF marches, for example, uh, you know, on the Premier League over the last two years, they were too small, but the fact is they weren't happening three years ago, yeah. and now they're happening albeit with not enough people, but somewhere. they're going into the Premier League meetings as well, and they're getting fogged off, but there's something that's going on. And what's interesting with that is where you take it. So there's a for example, and it's something that you know we've been asked about and we discussed, and Kat mentioned that you know we have a good relationship with a number of other trusts, Spirit of Shankly being one. The last Merseyside derby, Liverpool and Everton supporters stood together <laughs> outside Barclays Bank as one of the main sponsors of the Premier League and said, what are you going to do about the ticket prices? Now, informal conversations gone on. They said, like, would Spurs and Arsenal fans stand together before the derby? Fuck and no. the next derby <laughs> is on the day well, of the next Merseyside derby <laughs> as well. But, but that's an interesting thing. So you, you get the boycott question. Is it right to ask people to boycott because are you a real fan if you don't go or not? That's a discussion as well. But, all right, if we're talking about unity, would we... St personally, you know, and I've got as much dislike for the Arsenal as any other Spurs fan. Personally, I think it would be an absolutely fucking massive step forward if we stood together with them. You know, you know but what? there is a massive problem with that. So we'd want to hear, you know, do people want us to pursue that or do they want to go actually we'll do anything we're not going to do it with the, with the Arsenal well, yeah, and if that's what they think out. then that's fine but 
what, what's out there? What do people think? I'd like to know. You know, write, write in, go, you know, write an article for, the, for the, the website or whatever, but let's find out what people think about that. Or email us on info at thstofficial.com. <laughs> well, look, we can do something in terms of when this podcast comes out and I, uh, do a straw poll on what people think, if they'd be willing to... <clears throat> look, it's not about getting... I, I, I struggle with it. I do. I don't. The idea of about standing with Arsenal on anything literally brings bile to my throat. I think they would say the same about us as well. <laughs> but the, but sometimes there's a greater good, and and can you can you put that to, to one yeah, side? Yeah. And it goes back to what I can't, I'm a bit of a hypocrite if I'm saying that I look how great Germany is for for, di- for fighting these things, mm-hmm. but then I'm not willing to stand next to one of them scumbags to mm-hmm. to, uh, to to fight for this this price. Uh, this 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 uh, thing. I was just going to say, you might as well just go for the twelve points. Quickly. Yeah, look, yeah, yeah. Sorry, because we can't just, just we, list them all and then we'll just we can't discuss each one of these twelve in because we'll literally be all night. It is going to be a bumper bumper podcast, as we as we said. So, look, and if I'll go through these and then if I'm going to take a bit of a liberty, but I'll, I'll highlight some of the ones that yeah, go for it. Yeah, and then okay, so there's uh, the second one is StubHub. Uh, three, the myth of spending, which we touched upon. Four, uh, the Y word and, and lack of fan empathy. Yids. Let's call it the yids, yids. yids thing. Yids. <laughs> not accepting that. Yeah, the Y word's a bollock word. Uh, and uh, the, the Real Madrid partnership, which is massively contentious. I still I don't have a fucking idea what that was about, and I'm sure Loris will be involved in that partnership. In, <laughs> um, the banners in the ground, which was a big thing yesterday. We want to talk about that, definitely. Club strategy, uh, managers and team, Baldini, communications and lack of... Uh, Transparency, yeah, yeah. Um, the the um, Northumberland, Northumberland part development. Yeah, is that what it is? Just a new stadium, and <laughs> Stratford. Uh, and Stratford, which is oh, we talked about it for the last four years, how massive that is, and then obviously the lack of glory. And I think that just to touch on that last point, it, the glory isn't necessarily about doing amazing things on the pitch. It's just feeling and belonging to a glorious football club, which I don't anymore. Mm. Well, I mean, just to, and the way they fucking use that. Sorry, excuse, sorry to jump. The way they use the, this this terminology and and quotes from brilliant, glorious ex uh, uh, players of the club and managers, and uh, and they just exploit that. Well, this now. is this is where I, I put this down as the last thing. Glory yet cups, you know, one cup, fourteen years. But and whether right, I'm right in saying this. I know I'm right, but the, how they exploited Bill Nick's anniversary the other week. I thought. How, how do you feel that that was exploited? Um, I'm just selling Bill Nick stuff in the Spurs shop, things like this. That's fucking disgraceful in my eyes. Yep. That's that's got a sour taste. There's a lot of lot of fans that said that before I said it. There was a lot of people on Twitter on Facebook that that said that. I said actually, you know, it's a little bit of a bad taste thing. Great, you know that they, they they celebrated it, but I think it was done in a way which I thought was bad taste. Okay. I, I had a problem with some of the marketing of it as well, and even when the shirts were announced at the start of, of, of this year uh, as well. But uh, I'm, I'm probably going to get hammered for this for being an apologist, but I think if they hadn't have done anything, and certainly at the Newcastle, you know, it's an invented anniversary, like 125th, it was an invented anniversary, it was a marketing opportunity. But if they hadn't have marked it, you know, we would have probably been the first one saying they didn't even fucking remember mm. the, the greatest manager in the club system as well. So uh, I, I, I get where you're coming from, and I agree with some of that, but I just think it, it's also quite easy to go... It was all done for the wrong reasons. I think it's the balance of the reasons that, that maybe to yeah. look at. But were they wrong to market? No, they weren't. Was the way could, was the way they did it uh, good? And actually, would the discussion have been the same if we had won that game against Newcastle? Uh, that, that's an interesting one to look at as well. Well, I mean, speaking about glory, I think um, an accusation that's been levelled at Enoch out was that when we lose the game, the volumes are high, and then when we win a game, 
It does. Uh, against Villa, for example, they're singing We Want Levy Out. We win 2-1, it all dies down. I mean, what I would suggest for fans, if you really do want Enoch out, you need to be saying it day in, day out. And I think um, yesterday, there's going to be tipping points every week this season, let's face it. Yesterday was another one. Yeah. But I think I think, the, I think Enoch out, the movement needs to mobilise now and actually start protesting and doing something Correct. about it. How do you, how so do you, you have, feel about well, Hang on, that? before you answer that, Neil, how do you, where, where are you with this? I don't necessarily want them out because I don't, I don't know what the alternative is. But I think um, if people feel strongly enough about mm-hmm. something, I think he needs to stop tweeting and do something about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think you're right. I think as you've got. There's been lots of people said, oh, so what happens? What's you know, is the grass greener? What happens afterwards? Oh, you, you look from the very top. What would happen if Enid walked away? Right? Oh, they sold up. So let's go from the very top. Let's go for the billionaires, Arab money or Russian oil money, whatever you want to say. Okay. Um, they come in, they use us like a plaything, and they turn us into a city or Chelsea. Ultimately, I can be really honest here, but sold my soul to the devil. I'd be quite happy with that. In, just, just, from a, just from a starting point, okay? Anything Fine. to finish about last For the record, financial fair play kind of precludes that from happening. Hmm. Um, yes and no. I mean, there's ways, we've seen ways around that. Every other club in the, every other club in the, 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 the league, whether that's from, from Real Madrid all the way through to Barcelona, that are going by governments, have money pumped into a hand over fist. But I'm all the way through to City, they have yeah. that. There's ways around that, OK? So, but, I mean, for, but for a new club, for that to happen, for a new club, can that still happen? Yeah, of course can. I mean, they, they you know, the, how is it? The, um, the UEFA board looked at um, the deal PSG. in place. They yeah, looked at PSG's yeah. deal. They looked at City's deal with Etienne. They looked at all of it. They, they kind of said, yeah, that's absolutely fine. We all know the guy that owns San City owns Etihad. It's just put 400 million in his own bank account, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, how's that fair? But, you know, UEFA, FIFA, they said, oh, no, that's absolutely fine. So that there's, there's ways around that. Clubs aren't stupid. But... I think it's ultimately what we're looking for is one, you know, is it is it a rich person that comes in and buys a club multimillionaire? Secondly, is it another investment vehicle? Well, if it is another investment vehicle, they still have to invest. They, you know, any kind of business, if they're buying something as an investment, they're going to want to double their money. So you're going to have to spend somewhere in the region of that to get double your money. So you're always going to have players are going to be pushed into another direction which is ultimately success, whether that's regular Champions League, whether that's regularly winning cups, whether that's bringing in attractive players to ground a new stadium, for example, right? Finally, there's, there's the option of the... You've, you've got a fan's own trust. Mm. I mean, we've... Um, what is it? The Small, the small Shareholders Association, right? So they basically comply all the other small shareholders together in a small part. We own 15, they own 15% of the club. That's not an insignificant amount of people. If you compare it to Levy's own shareholding within Enoch and Enix own holding and other various shareholders that sit with on the board. That's not a small amount. Suddenly you can control that and then start moving that to 20, 25, 30%. Then you've got a very strong voice. How do we control it? I wasn't putting my hand up for that part. I was just about to say, if you do own shares in Tottenham, uh, so if you're a small shareholder, basically, if you're not Enix, um, you can get in touch with them at www.thfcssa.com or tweet them at THFCSSA. Just register your details on there. Most people uh, listen don't, to this. Don't sell your shares if you've got them, yeah. uh, uh, because your shares on their own are worth nothing, because 85% controls the club. But if that 15% work together, they are potentially worth something, and that's why we are working with a small shareholders. Right, so, because like, most people listen to this, that won't mean a great deal yeah, to yeah. them. So what, how, what influence... Do you, is there a group that controls this? Is there a managing body? Do they have meetings? What... 
What, small shareholders? No, yeah. no but at the moment, small shareholders are individual people who are probably, a lot of them are people who have brought a share to put a certificate in the bog and say, like, I, I own a part of my club. And, yeah, like and let's brother. remember, yeah. Tottenham mm -hmm. were the original club to go to mm. float on the stock exchange, mm -hmm. and you know, all the great businesses that, that, that have run the club, they've actually <laughs> missed out on the thing that they created themselves. So they're that, they're that fucking clever that, that they've actually not taken advantage of their own opportunities. So let's remember that when we're talking about other people that are involved in it as well. But the small shareholders, people that, that own one, they're people that own 5,000, 10,000 or whatever. In the end, 85% of the shareholding is controlled by a combination of companies owned by Daniel Levy and Joe Lewis, an English national investment company, who they're the front of. And, and that enables them to pretty much do what they want. So that, that's a majority controlling stake in the club. Unless those 15% act together, they can't really stop any other decision. And we're looking at the moment in terms of, one, let's get as many of those people to act together as possible. But let's look at what their legal rights are and their financial rights are. Uh, the, the value of that 15% shareholding, depending on what you believe is the value of the club... A billion, you take, isn't it, take, Well, apparently <laughs> a billion. Even if you take it half that, the value of that shareholding is between 70 and 80 million quid, right? So that's nothing if you own it on your own, but if you work with everybody else, which is a massive tall order getting those 15,000 people together, all of whom will have really different ideas, some of them will think what we're talking about is a load of shit because they don't like anyone that criticises the club, and yeah. other people will go, great, we're, we're right in behind you. But that's an important initiative. Yeah, we'd massively encourage people to just to register their details on that website, really. Uh, I think they've already located, is it 55,000 shares? Yeah. And that's been going for about three yeah. weeks now, so that's and pretty it, good going. It's building. OK, uh, so yesterday there was this rumour uh, about the banners being removed inside the club. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Were there banners and can, were they removed by the club? Can I just come back on one thing from, from the previous bit of the conversation? Go on. Uh, sorry, I've got to remember what it was, but I, I, I completely get the point that... You know, you could criticise and say, like, Enoch out, OK, well, who comes in? Right, and that's it. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a question that, that has to be asked as well, but I think it's an easy way to dismiss something. But I do think you have to ask that, and I'll do a bit of credentials now. I, I held up the letter R in the Paxton Road in the Scholar Out protests, right? <laughs> and we got Scholar Out. Right? And actually, I held up the letter R, when a bloke behind me was going, get a fucking banner down, you cunt! I can't see the game! Right, So that's a bit of a kind of microcosm of Spurs fan organisation. It's been like, right, decades, right? yeah. And that was when I was involved in the Tottenham Independent Supporters Association, which had come out after left on the show movement and all the stuff that went on in the 80s and 90s. Uh, I was then one of the people who was banging the corrugated iron doing the we want Graham out and we want sugar out during that really, really dark period mm. in the club history. So we've mm. got some people out. And I've got a similar thing to what you said earlier, Flav, that, you know, I, I, I kind of, I'm really critical of what, of what they've done with this club. I think there are some things that they have achieved that have been good. I think there's a lot that they've not achieved and there's a lot of stuff that they've got to answer for and explain. But you have to ask that question. I don't want it to be, OK, let's get this lot out and then another load come in and in five or ten years' time we're back here yeah. having the same conversation but we're all a little bit older. You know, and that's it. And it's really hard. Right? If you're Halifax Town, no disrespect to the clubs further down the league, it is easier to get the fans involved. Of course, yeah. I'm not. I I don't think there's a trust. What, what you know, we've discussed this as well. We're not talking about the trust owning the club. I don't see any of us that are involved in the club as as company directors. That's not what we want to do. But we want to have that. There should be some input. There should be some stakeholding in the club. So whether it's like Swansea, they've got 20% fan ownership or whatever. Yeah. We are the only people that are not represented at corporate level in the club. Ultimately. We don't just want somebody else in and the same mistakes happen. And again, That's and I think you've got to ask that question. It's not a way of dismissing a protest movement, but I think you have to ask that. Yeah. If you want something out, what do you want in? And we've got to start building that. And I think your list of 12 points is one way of mm -hmm. saying, OK, what is it that we want that is different about this club? What do we want to take on board? The, the, the key thing for me is that, that those 
people say, well, what do you want to replace? It's better the devil you know. You don't know what's mm. coming in. But whoever comes in hasn't done those 12 points of fucking fuckery to, to our football. Shit Shit So, you know, my Shit worst nightmare, the Burmese government, which is one of the worst dictatorships in the world, which has got loads of money, right? <laughs> if they bought us, I'd walk away. Cool. I'd walk away. As, as every right, Chelsea fan should have done. Things, but they are, yeah. As every, every Chelsea fan should have done when uh, money that was used has taken yeah, off the Russian yeah. people and to I actually buy wouldn't, I wouldn't want Abramovich's money and I wouldn't want the money that Man City have got either. I think there's issues there. But so yeah. maybe that makes me a purist. And a lot of Spurs fans will now be going, fucking hell, this bloke's an idiot, listening to this as well. So it's a legitimate point of view, but they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> OK, uh, yeah, the banners in the ground. Is this, is this true? Yeah, um, I sit block 25, which is east lower towards Paxton, and apparently they were towards towards the centre of East Lower. So, so there were banners asking for en- uh, Enoch yeah, or not necessarily... Was to Levy the out? No, nothing, nothing to do with me. No, there's a lad, I can't remember his name, there's um, a lad that stood outside on his own with an Enoch out ban at board. There's a Levy out there. Yeah. It, and there is a difference, Levy, which yeah, we need to get back There's a slight in. difference, which obviously we, yeah, we do need to speak about. But there, he's had a Levy out board for quite a while. Um, and he had, he's pulled out the, the, the I don't know, pillow sheet or blanket. something like that, blanket, whatever. Yeah, and it had Levy out on it, uh, Levy out on it. And Stuart's ripped it off him straight away. But it also had a hashtag. So if we're going to be serious about a <laughs> protest here, please don't put a hashtag on well, the protest. Listen, uh, whatever, whatever, I love your laugh. Kat. Thanks. Uh, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever it is, if someone wants to be vocal and show their, their, their opinion, I, I don't have an issue with it at all. The bigger issue is this, well, I mean, is this some sort of North Korean uh, dictatorship that we're, we're belonging to now? When, no. It's, it's why can't, why can't we protest can, against the people but, but that are charging us to get in? I, I think we can protest just as well. Just need to be savvy. I, I just think the, the, you're never going to get the club to agree. We don't need to be right? savvy, we need to be militant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but be militant, the club ain't going to agree, right? You know, when, when people were fighting for the vote, you know, votes for women or votes for working class people, they didn't say, like, you know, if we got your permission to do this, they fucking got on and did it, OK? No, the clubs are never going to agree to let a banner in the ground. It's, a, it's a ridiculous argument. But let's get the fucking banners in the ground anyway. If and you want to say something, do it. A hole, they well, ran away from the stewards. They ran away from them. Yeah, like, like, like Benny Hill. Hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Benny Hill. <laughs> 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 but they, 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 you just move. And, 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 mm. oh, yeah. man, it's, it's hard. They're not going to make it easy for you. No, you know? no. Let's get weird about it. If someone wants to burgle your house, you're not going to go like, you know, I'm going to open the door and here's all the good stuff. No. I think you just, you need to be savvy about this. I mean, you know, there's um, a couple of people who voice concerns around what exactly is non-religious, uh, non-political messages, etc., etc. I yeah. think it's great. There's a there's a gay Spurs banner at the mm-hmm. club, right? I think there's a great. There, Chelsea have their Singapore Chelsea and Arsenal yeah. have their you yeah, know yeah. Taiwanese Arsenal. Great, brilliant. Um, and I think what we need to do is the club needs to be just a little bit more clarity. And again, that whole point, the communications, transparency mm. of saying, well, Enoch out. To be fair, it's probably part of my religion at the moment, but that's not a religious statement. That's not a political statement, is it really? Internally, it probably it's is for po- them. It's probably political. Yeah. Yeah, for them, for them yeah. it's an internal point, but I'm not. I'm not moving mm. on a political point mm. in the in the wider scale of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it can, should that be stopped? So, you know, what's, what's it come down to? There's going to be 30 of us to do a Venus out T-shirt. It's going to ask us to take our T-shirts off. I was going to say, would they allow a, a banner of hashtag thought crime in the ground? <laughs> no hashtags, Tim. Why not? <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, thought police, that's what they are. Flags and banners, yeah. I mean, any official supporters club can put a flag up there. Mm. 
any given day of the week. So that's fine. Um, so you're suggesting eating out becomes a, a special supporters club? Well, far be it from me, Flaff, to suggest that. Can I think I'll well, get signed off from that somehow. Can, can they block that? If that was... Make the application. Make it. be surprised. Have a go. Um, just going back to flags and back, back to the glory thing, uh, tremendous timing on my part that we finally got the money out of the club for the giant surfing flag. Which is just say to remind out. you, <laughs> says the game is about glory. So funnily enough, I'm not rushing that one through. But yeah, that's yeah. true to drop next week that's not going to be great can we change those last can we change that worst last I did sign the artwork off and I did think about changing it to the games about money (laughs) but then thought "Mm, maybe not anyway Look, I mean, yeah, but I'm yeah. sure the Liverpool board didn't approve the spirit of Shankly doing the black banners on the cop. You just yeah, have to do the game as well, but they got on with it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and yeah. That's you know, we, what we're talking about, let's get a bit mentioned about it. It's about taking control of our own space. All right, it's a private space and it's in the other. Whose club is it? It's our club, you know. So if you okay. want to do something, let's do it. Absolutely. Um, there's also the, uh, the the pumping of uh, music in the uh, in at the end of the game. Um, well, I hate it at the that start of the game. Disgrace. Right, you know, but... The Shut up, stop talking, no, 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 stop it! <laughs> look, what's what, the music? Where, where, what's your opinion on that? I thought it was an absolute disgrace. Is it true? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, Literally, the final whistle yeah. went, and it was boom, straight away. At what level of, of the club does this decision take place? I tried to find out who was in charge of that system yesterday. What, so, you, so yeah, but you've got you, you're going to have a, a kind of organ grinder. Yeah, of course. Do you, doing do you think that? Almost of course. Like, Presumably, whoever like was doing the announcements 60s, on the PA all day, some sort of sixties comical yeah. like cartoon. Yeah, Levy just sort of walked into the PA's office and yeah, yeah. The <laughs> that was it. You can't really get a clearer signal that they don't want to listen to their fans and when they start doing things like that, though, really. Mm. But, but, but it's, a cl- it's a classic bit of that. You talk to people, you know, but people know I'm a journalist, so obviously I'm a cunt as well, you know, and we go and bugging people's phones and bloody, bloody, blah. But <laughs> you talk to people in the media business, in the sports media, and they say Spurs have got one of the worst relationships, if not the worst relationships with the press. And one of the reasons they do that <laughs> is that they shut things out and they try and close things down. And that pumping the music in was a classic example of that. They thought, Let, let's drown out the booze and then it will go away. It made it an even bigger story than it would have been if people had booed. Because a few journalists would have gone, oh, bloody Tottenham fans again, they're a bunch of moaners, aren't they? And they'd have moved on. But now, yeah. it's like, it's music gate, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's a massive issue. It's so well, well done, the club's PR department. What for, was for classic that issue. there, though, yeah. and, and I'd like to applaud the fans who stayed until the end of that track just so they could boo. Oh, that was great. That. Oh, yeah, they stayed for a full five minutes to wait yeah. for the track to end yeah. to be. Look, I've, I've almost turned around full circle on this issue because I've been... The first season of the Fighting Cup podcast, we talked about how booing was abhorrent, something that we'd never get involved in. But what choice during During the game. I think... I, I've always understood that what you're saying is that don't get on the players' back during the game, don't get on the team's back during the game, it doesn't help. At the end of the game, I think... To be fair, actually, right. it weren't, actually. Yeah. It, was, it was a blanket, don't boo. But I, now... What's that, I'm walking out? Yeah. <laughs> See you later. That's two walkouts with that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, I don't know. It, 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 it's... I, look, whether you agree with booing or not, you can't allow the, or accept the fact the club... Played in music, <laughs> literally. I mean, yeah. I know I've made that kind yeah. of quip about North Korea before, but that this is in, insanely insidious. They they tried to get us lost in music, and I think we were caught in a trap. <laughs> right. I oh, think fine. Enough. Is there a break now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, Neil, you wanted to make a point about the the number of managers, and, and I think that's that's yeah, the number of managers. Yeah. Right, so ultimately. I've said ultimately three times today. Sorry, it's right, no better, I promise. Um, we've had, where is it now? 11 managers, 11 permanent managers in 14 years, 11 permanent managers, three caretakers, four directors of footballs, 
And a party in the pear tree. tree. Yeah. <laughs> we could have the Christmas special. We could just start. Yeah, the trunks do that. Um, so, if I... I've worked at some big companies, and I'm sure we all have, right? Mm. If your chairman said to you, we've had, I don't know, 14 different marketing directors in the last... 14 years or something ridiculous. You're going to sit there and it's it's not the role, it's not the... You end up questioning the board around that appointment. The Why can't they get the right person? The right. Yeah. yeah, it's simple. It's simply. I mean, it's it's not it's not the manager. It's the board that are making whether it's an inaccurate choice, whether it's um, the structure's wrong. I mean, they've gone from a director of football to a non-director of football role to a director of football role back to a non-director back to. A, we've done it about four or five times. Mm. Neither does. I mean, to be fair, the best football we've ever had and some of the best times we've had under Enoch were when there's no real director of football there. So, but, to, but to, to answer that, I know that is a big, big thing. But it, it's we, we happen to have four world class players in our team that came from nowhere, pretty much. Yeah. Lenny King, great, 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 amazing centre back. Hope, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Bale and Modric were, were they were anomalies. They, they, there was no way that that was going. It is uh, going to happen again. Modric's probably not so much an anomaly. We still paid over sixteen and a half million pounds mm. for him. He didn't but come he out was of nowhere. He was incredible, though. He was incredible. Don't get me wrong. He was incredible. But it's not someone that's come out of absolutely nowhere because at the time that was still one of our we expected signings. him. To yeah, do well, we expected him to do he well. He was spotted by his scouting genius Damien Camoli, who was so good that he didn't leave anything behind when he uh, when he went when he went. Um, yeah. But which, which is what you always said. But yeah, you, you, you know, you talk about working in business. Yeah. So what people say is that. It's not just what you do at the time, it's what you leave behind. What you leave behind. I mean, if you, look at, if you look at Camoli's comments today, the fact that we haven't got a scouting network set up. Apparently. Brentford under 10s has got a better scouting system than us. It keeps on, on giving. giving. <laughs> but, it's, but, it's, but ultimately, it is the fact that we've had this merry-go-round. The press take the mickey out of us. I mean, I'll, I'll wait until... You know, Talksport have like the kind of the, the Arsenal. You know, they've had the, the Arsenal bit on their program. They're going to call it, call it the Spurs bit, so you can see it. Down the Arsenal. the drive show. I've given up on watching, listening to that anyway. Um, but they're having a field day on us as well at the moment. You can imagine him on four o'clock calling and drive just destroying us as he does all the time. The right but we, they're asking the right questions. Yeah. We're saying, oh, we can't say. But guess what? He's asking the right questions half the time. And now, even more pertinent, because we're all some people sitting there going pooch out. I'm going to keep my personal point of view around that out of this because I think that I think that's that's not right. It's, but ultimately, we just need to have a clear vision on what that structure is around what's going on on the pitch. Member of the Fine Cock, uh, Sibs, uh, at arm's length, a member of the Fine Cock podcast. He was involved a long time ago and, and still is to a certain extent. We still give him access to the hidden forum and he, he, he sees everything we post. But um, he, he did a straw poll and it was fascinating, honestly. He did a straw poll... Uh, asking um, about basically who you want out, who you want out of the club mm. to fix this problem. Pochettino, 10% they want out. Okay, so that's a small amount, and that's mm. actually that's encouraging to me. Mm. Yeah, I definitely. thought it'd be much higher than that. Um, Levy, 90% want him to go, and 91% want Baldini to go. If, there, if that isn't uh, a decent foundation for what you're, you're doing, Neil, then I don't know what is. Because yeah. it, that, I mean, Twitter isn't. <laughs> A you know an, an, a blanket for all Tottenham fans. It, it, everyone's going to feel differently, and a lot of people don't use Twitter. But ninety percent, and and some of that is reactionary to the game as well. Mm. But even if that drops to seventy percent, that's still a, that's still a, a huge. Well, what, that, what that suggests is that Baldini will go to save Levy's job. Yes. But, but actually, no one's going to sack Levy because he's in charge, and that that's the massive problem. I would like to say, and I think part of what could happen with this is that if we can put something together, which is that you know there is a fan movement which is putting forward some constructive ideas, 
does that possibly make the club a more attractive investment for a progressive investor mm. who, who could actually work? You know, that, that, that's a bit of a romantic dream, but that, that might be something that's there. Or does it get Enoch to finally turn around? And part of the issue with this is that, and I, I genuinely, you know, again, people could say you've been a bit naive about this, I genuinely don't know whether the club are as hurt as they always seem to be that they're being criticised mm. over this sort of stuff, or if they're just using that as an, as an excuse. But I think what's been picked up now, and that's what the press have picked up now, is they said that, you know, it, Levy has had more chances than he's given his own managers. If yep. you look at the two successful managerial appointments of, Le- of Enoch's time in charge, Martin Yole, who wasn't their choice, but mm. actually fell into their laps when Santini yeah. sussed out what was going on right away. And Harry Redknapp, who wasn't really their choice, although they made a choice for that, but it wasn't really another and choice. And technically was a caretaker manager. I would tell you he was a caretaker manager. So the only two successful managers have been the ones that they haven't chosen. And I still believe, you know, and it still rankles the way they got rid of Yole, although it's past history or whatever, but they didn't like Yole because he wasn't their choice. So this and is, there's an ego involved in that, which is always a dangerous thing. And with those two managers, the only time that Levy's backed him is when he panicked. Both times, both managers. We're in a bit of a tricky position on the field. He backed him and he, they could, because we panicked. It's the only time he's really backed him. And it's, somebody, somebody tweeted it today, and I think it absolutely sums up everything about Levy stroke Enoch, right? Is that they are a reactive leadership. They're not proactive. And that's why I think we're in this situation now. And 14 managers, 11 managers, I've lost count. 27 managers, 15 managers. Yeah, cuddly toy and a parchment pie tree. It's because they're not being proactive. They're not being proactive. There's this reactivity. Well, look, there's, there's, uh, I know, uh, Kat, you had a, uh, you responded to something in the, me- uh, the mirror, basically. Yes, I did. Yeah, Addie Bayo's comments. About Addie Bayo's comments. So yeah. you can, uh, have you tweeted it, or is it, how can we find it? It's that? out there. It's, it's kind of going a little bit crazy. Yeah, know? I bet. Well, you looked, Twitter you, What you said made a lot of sense, and I think it kind of resonated with a lot of, a lot of Spurs Thank fans. You. Um, uh, that said, what was interesting for, for, from what I read into what Addie Bayo's comments meant is that he, he, he mentioned the number of managers. He mentioned the turnover of managers. Mm. And it affects the key employees of the club. If we're talking about Spurs as a company, the employees are the footballers, and they don't know who they're, they're playing. They have to learn new styles. Adebayo was very candid in admitting that he was struggling in the system, and everybody is, mm. because they don't really know what Pochettino wants to do. He's, he admits he's a great manager. He admits mm. he's got great ideas, but it's going to take time. Whose responsibility is that if it isn't Levy's well, that, about changing managers over and it's over the again? Corporate culture, and I think again that's why you know what you're doing is is important and it's interesting because you have to look at you know it's created from the top. What is the kind of corporate culture we got at Spurs? If you're a player at this club, well, you know you look back over 13 years, you say if things are going badly. The manager's going to get the bullet first, so really I don't have to worry too much about it. And maybe the next one that comes in, mm. and we know the way that modern football works, you know, Redknapp, who you know, I don't dislike and I don't think he was as great as a lot of people do, but he, he used to make the interesting point. He said, if I dropped a player, so back in the old days, and he was always kind of referring to his, his kind of heritage or whatever, but they used to come and we'd have a row about it. And now you get the agent phone up on a Monday morning going, oh, you know, my lad's a little bit annoyed about that. So you get that's where all these stories then get fed out to the press yeah. and mm. different bits and pieces come on about the factions as well. So it does make it difficult. But in defence of Daniel Levy, he has not put Yunus Kabul as captain. He has not put Adibayo as vice captain. Level, we'll talk about... We'll talk about. And he's not dropped a tongue. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we got Sainsbury's. There you go. <laughs> prefer, prefer Tasco anyway. Neil, uh, to, to end this, this, uh, this, uh, section, this section on uh, uh, Enoch out, I mean, what, 
what, what, what do you want people to do? I mean, at the moment, obviously, the, you haven't established a plan. No, so there much. isn't. It's just, it's just gone very quickly. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's worth it's, an actually quickly. just holding their hands up and then working with the trust. Actually, you know what, when we've got some things wrong here, how can we work to get these better, basically? Yeah. They can actually see there's a lot of pissed-off people around. They're just the average fan that, that sometimes is just completely disillusioned, disconnected, um, and dysentery, again, right, from the yeah. club. And that they need to just feel a bit closer to the club. Or it is just the fact that Enoch turn around and go, actually, you know what, fuck it, we'll set it. Mm. We've had enough, and we'll go. Or Levy, oh, they changed Levy. I mean, look at, look at the... Um, the CEO that was down at Southampton, is it Cort- uh, Cortez at yeah, Southampton, yeah. right? The, <clears throat> the guy had done more in four years than Levy's done in 14 years. That's, that's a yeah. fact. That's, the, the statistics show that. That's a fact. But he's come, come from a very Maybe if Levy's not the man, Lewis, Lewis pays him off his money and we get someone else in that can run the club that has a lot more clearer vision and strategy. And that ultimately what the club needs is a vision and strategy that's shared amongst community and the stakeholders. And, and I'd say keep doing what you're doing uh, and, and, and work with us. And it's not just we would say that. We are going to say yeah. join, the, join the trust. The trust needs more mm. members, but partly because it needs more financial mm. resource, largely because it needs more people who actually do some stuff as well and you some stuff in there. But let, let, let's start. <laughs> let's start building some. You know, you, you're, you're talking about okay. Let's get a proper corporate strategy. Let's work out. Yeah. You know exactly what that means. Uh, I think you know in terms of the way that the trust has worked with the 1882 movement. We're not a bunch of control freaks who say like, okay, you know, come work with us and we'll tell you what to do. That's not the way it works. It's not the way organisation works it anymore. Flat? We'll work with <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, I told you that. <laughs> okay, but but, but ah, seriously, look, work with us. If we disagree with something, we are going to we'll disagree to and we'll have a row about it. But but work with us. Yeah. We are going to come just to finish. And that, yeah, that goes to, to, to people wrap, listening as well. To wrap yeah. this section up, um, we've obviously taken quite a lot of heat over the, the whole leaning out stuff. Yeah, and I you mean, expect that if you put yourself Yeah, up. we expect that. And I, I just want to make sure that, as a trust, we've clarified our position on this. So, Which is? basically, we'll do dialogue first. We've got a meeting yeah. with Daniel Levy and Donna Cullen and other key movers and shakers at Tottenham Hotspur next Thursday. Really? So, yeah, Thursday the 20th, over at the training centre. It's a board, it's a board meeting. It's a board to board yeah. meeting. So when we're apparently... Fancy an ill? What are you doing next Thursday? So when we're apparently we eat lots of biscuits <laughs> yeah. and we, we do fucking... Not, not our heads and eat biscuits, it's that, it's that Look, kind of meeting. Look, I'm, I'm interested to know what that, what okay. that entails, uh, and we're going to come on to trust in the second half. Yeah, I'd say just to wrap this up, so obviously we'll be asking some searching questions there. Um, an email will go out to our membership if it hasn't already gone out asking for input. We're not going to shirk those questions. Um, we're not so tight to the club that we can't ask, you know, the, the things that need to be asked. So that's always kind of a first step for us. Thank All right, you. no worries. Um, uh, now we're going to hear Windy for a slightly different update because he, he, he was listening to it and he's thinking, can I really just go and talk about players out on loan? But, so he's, he's actually going to talk about the impacts of the youth system uh, during Enix's reign at the club. So that's what you're about to hear now. Yeah. Windy, back to drop the fucking knowledge, blood. I see you, I got your back. Hi, this is Windy, back with the weekly youth update, looking at our young players and players out on loan. Slightly different update for me this week. As you'll have heard, the podcast is about how the club's changed under the ownership of Enoch and Daniel Levy. So Flav's asked me to update on how the academy's changed in that time. Um, Firstly, though, I'll start off by saying that some lone players played for some lone clubs this week. And the under-18s match was abandoned due to a waterlogged pitch. We were 1-0 up at the time against West Brom thanks to an Ishmael Azawi goal. 
Okay, so the first thing I thought to do was to have a look at the equivalent of our development squad just before leaving Enoch assumed control in 2001. The squad contained talents such as Stephen Kelly, Johnny Jackson and Neil Fenn, all of whom played for the first team to varying levels. Uh, under the surface, though, there were players such as Kieran Toner, Yannick Kamanan, Steve Ferguson, Jon Jonsson, George Schnee. These aren't household names. They're not even necessarily players known by championship manager fans. Basically, the academy wasn't in the best state at that point. Now, of course, every academy is capable of bringing through the occasional gem, and we brought through Ledley King, who joined Spurs in 1996 and became one of the finest players in the Premier League era. I say every player, every club is capable of bringing through the occasional gem, but kudos for the, to the club for bringing Ledley through and giving him a chance in the first team. For me, the important milestones for the academy under Enoch were the appointments of John McDermott by Frank Arneson in May 2005 and the subsequent appointment of Ricardo Moniz in September of that year. I've spoken about Moniz before in the podcast, but essentially he was a coach who taught the Curver method of training and coaching. And not only did he change uh, the methods um, that we, we used to teach our young players, but also he indoctrinated the coaches as a, as a group. And he was a really important um, figurehead in the academy, although he was only there for three years. In 2012, we opened the new training centre. It's rumoured to have cost £45 million. It's 67 acres and includes 11 outdoor pitches, one of which is made of artificial grass, with the main training pitch with under, having undersoil heating, very rare in training centres. It also has an indoor pitch and a central building which has educational space, top medical facilities, a hydrotherapy pool, fitness centre and gym, changing rooms, a canteen and a media centre. This is a top-of-the-range building and complex and is something we can truly be proud of. Also, I noticed recently that the CIES Football Observatory released a list in October ranking clubs in the order of which have trained the most footballers currently playing for the Big Five League teams. We finished 45th with 12 players, which doesn't sound particularly impressive, but it was joint fourth in the Premier League, joint with Southampton, Man City and Chelsea, all of whom are recognised to, to have incredible academies. Um, this included players such as Gareth Bale and um, Danny Rose. Of course, neither of those particularly came through our academy, but they were the criteria used, and so it was similar with other clubs, that players they brought in um, at, at slightly older ages were included I think it's also important to mention the players who we've let go for big fees because the academy isn't just about developing players for our first team. Of course, that's the main priority, but when we sell the likes of Colker and Livermore for huge fees and also the likes of Luongo, Ubika and Dawkins who attracted decent fees, it kind of makes the academy pay for itself to an extent. And I think we can be proud of how the academy's come on under Enoch and Levy. Um, the, way, the shape we're in now, the amount of talented players, the amount of players representing their countries, stands us in good stead for the future. And I think five years down the line, we'll be a lot higher in that CIES Football Observatory ranking list. So the future's definitely bright on that front. OK, so that's it for this week. But if you're interested in more of the young players, follow me on Twitter, at WindyCoys. That's Coys for Come On You Spurs. <laughs> Thank you very much, Windy. Uh, it's a quality youth update. I haven't listened to it, but, uh, you know, it's quality goes without... It isn't a youth update. Yeah, no, yeah, that's fine. 
Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, Wendy. <laughs> Just listen to your own programme, man. Have some respect. I don't even read the running you order. You get an award, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, the only reason we, uh, the, the, the running order is in front of me is because this week was supposed to be serious and we're trying to... Uh, we're trying to impress the judges. He's um, been busy with his victory speech, that's why. He's not out of time for anything else. Fantastic. I can't wait. If I go up there, I'm, I don't know what state I'm going to be. <laughs> you are going to be in a pickle, aren't you? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. Could yeah, be the yeah, biggest fan yeah, yeah. of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come. It's going to make Mick Fleetwood and Sam Fox look like a professional presentation. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, God. I'm shitting it now. There's no way we're going to win anyway, so that doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, Wendy. Uh, now we're going to come on to the trust because um, that's the whole reason you're here. But the most important thing to us, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast before. You yeah. know how highly we think of this current trust and, and the things that you've done and the way you've t- you've turned it around in the face of a lot of criticism as well. As obviously, you know better than I do about the the amount of stick you get on on online and. I just think that it's made such a, 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 a huge impact, uh, certainly on, on, on us and the, the stuff you've worked with us on for mm-hmm. the 1882. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. And um, it feels like we have a trust that belongs to the fans now, not just, the, like, as you said, a fig leaf from, from the club. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, did say that, didn't we? Uh, yeah, so we want to talk about it and encourage people to to join up to the trust because that's how we do it. I mean, you, you talked about Spirit, Spirit of Shankly in the pub having 140,000 members. Is that right? I think that's about right. Yeah, they've got, they've got some ridiculous amount of members, and that's partly because of the tradition of organisation in Liverpool and what Liverpool stands for. And well, they've got branches globally yeah. as well, yeah, haven't yeah, they? Yeah. It's a real yeah. international reach. And the membership of the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust currently stands at? 4,000-ish. 4,000, which isn't... I mean, it's a sizable number, but it isn't nearly enough for a club of our size. Uh, and if we want to make a difference, people have to become members. Um, so that's what we're talking about now. Um, Cat... I want to ask you uh, a bit about what the role of the trust is. I mean, if people don't know, what, what's the point of it? OK, so a trust is a formal democratic organisation. It's a membership organisation. Um, our primary role is to help improve the ties between a, the club and its fans and also the community that it serves. So uh, we're a Friends and Industrial Providence Society. Um, we're, we're run formally, as it were. Um, and, yeah, so our main aim is to improve dialogue with the club, to take fans' points of view into their board level uh, and to lobby on and campaign on things that are important to us, so whether that's ticket pricing or bringing back safe standing areas or, or that, that kind of thing, really. What You talked about having a board-to-board. Yes. What does that mean? So it's our board of seven. Um, meets with the board of Tottenham Hotspur and all the big movers and shakers over there. And this happens once a year? No, it's a minimum of three times a year. Right. But actually, the last one we had was the day Sherwood was sacked. Mm. So that was an interesting meeting. Yeah, that, that was all good. You're coming out of the lift and as Daniel leave his face on Sky Sports, Sherwood sacked. Then he's sitting in the room right there. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. So, Did so you have a cat in his lap. Yeah, yeah stroking. Yeah, a white one on his shoulder. What's it? So, what's that like? I mean, forget about the kind of starstruck because I, I, I probably would be starstruck, starstruck mm-hmm. meeting him because of his role in the club and his influence over my life over the last. Yeah, I mean, we're fans first and foremost, so you're going in to meet, you know, a powerful man, the chairman of your football club. So it is a little bit nerve-wracking, but we're in a fortunate position. We're elected. 
into our roles. So, you know, we need we need to act professionally as well. So, I mean, we prep hard for those meetings, don't we, Martin? Yeah. We, we, have a, we have our own board meeting the week before. We scamp everything out. We, we, we mail our members and ask for their input as to the key questions that they, they want to ask as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, prepare. Um, we did a presentation for him last time on safe standing, that kind of thing. Um, he was actually really charming, and I know you probably don't want to hear that. Didn't, no, no, didn't, so just say what's true. Didn't look at his phone once, uh, seemed to be very honest, and seemed to be very engaged with what was going on. Um, I think that's, I think that's, you know, you, hear, you do hear stories about him where he's a charming guy, and uh -huh. at the end of the day, he still wants what's best for him and his investment. His investment. Absolutely. So he's going to be charming. I'm charming at work mm. when I'm with clients. Mm. Everyone's charming when they're with clients. Mm. Um, I'm charming with my missus if I want something. You know, it's it's that's that's the point of the pudding. Yeah, no, but all the time, sure. Like, yeah. but behind closed doors, you might turn around and go, oh, I can't. You know, it's, it's you hear various stories, and yeah, I suppose he is a charming man. And sometimes, don't get me wrong, when I scream Enoch and Livy out, there's a little part of me going, oh, but he's this little guy, he's got a cat in his lap. Yeah, yeah. Really quite nice. But, but, but he's just. He's, he's the man. At the, he's the man at the top. Yeah, is where he's got and why so many of us are frustrated? Yeah. But I think we're quite fortunate on the trust board that we've got some really good people involved yeah. who are highly capable. They're not the kind of people that are going to go in there, get mugged off, have the wall pulled over their eyes. We can see through it, mm. you know. So I, I think all of us, to a man, came out, out of that first meeting in May, mm. the first of our full new board, um, feeling quite positive. We, Obviously, yeah. things have kind of moved well, on since we're in November what, what, now. What struck me about it was was that I, I actually do think that Levy is more of a fan than people give him credit for. Whether he's made the right decisions, I think, is an interesting one. But mm. you always get this. I mean, I kind of go back. You know, my a lot of my background has been a, a trade union rep and doing sort of organisational stuff politically outside of football as well. But you always get that thing when you start off as an opposition uh, and you, you're having a go, and at some stage you've got to sit in a room and you've actually got to have that conversation. So it's a little bit like you know, if you there's a podcast, been really having a go, so we're really come on it. It's been a little bit tense first of all, but you come on and you've got to, just just for a basic conversation, you've got to go all right. I, I'm going to take on board the fact, you know, it's easy to have a go at people on Twitter or email or whatever, if you're sitting down talking to people yeah. it doesn't mean that you sell out and I think that we have surprised uh, the club because partly I think uh, it's a difficult one because there's still differences within uh, a lot of the membership of, of, of the trust as well, uh, we've taken a much more independent and possibly if it's the right word to use, militant role uh, with the club and they've been surprised by that and I think the club are quite happy that the trust was happy to see itself as just, you know, we have a meeting occasionally and we've, we've kind of got yeah. that there were some people that were involved in the trust that wanted it to go in a different direction uh, and other people that, that, that maybe didn't. They, they had a different vision for the whole thing. I think that, you know, I'm going to blow smoke up cat's ass keep a going, bit keep as well going. on this because it was actually, you know, I got involved after the trust had been resuscitated. I was an original, you know, founder member of the trust and we've been involved in trying to bring some of the old Spurs organisations so together. So you were second election, right? Uh, and that's it. But, but it was actually, it came out of, and this is the interesting thing in terms of what the unit thing, that, that the trust being reinvigorated came out of the massive upsurge of a feeling about moving to Stratford. Now, personally, I was really surprised because I always knew what I thought. I don't want to go to Stratford. Uh, it, I think it would have killed the club. I think there's loads of issues with identity and the business side of it as well as whatever. I didn't think that most Spurs fans would agree. I think loads of people were surprised. And what reinvigorated the trust was the We Are In 17 Action Group, mm. which Kat and Ellie Kershaw and Dan Alexander yep. were involved in, and a lot of other people. And they, they then pushed them. They said, all right, you know, we, we've made a point now, we've actually got this, and that the, the club, I think, were genuinely surprised at the upsurge of opinion and that people were prepared to do something about that. And what they said is, OK, we've got this thing called a trust and it isn't working properly, so we need to get involved in that and we need to make it work properly. And I think that was absolutely the right way to do it. Some people will say you're then going to get co-opted and sell out. 
I think we've actually challenged them. But the problem that we always have is that there are still people that think that anything that you say that is critical of the club means that you're not a proper Spurs fan. So we have that argument as well. The Trust's original position on Stratford was that some Spurs fans want to go there and some Spurs fans don't want to go there, so we can't take a position. All of us as individuals for, as members of the Trust, that's completely wrong. Sometimes you've got to take a line. Yeah. Right? And that's what, you know, we want to call it leadership and be highfalutin or whatever, but you've actually got to take a position. And if people disagree, then they can get rid of us. And that's it. So, you know, this whole thing about pushing for, you know, more members or whatever, what we've got in the end is that we'll go in and we disagree with a club, but what they can always come back and say, well, that's all very well, but you only represent 4,000 people, don't you? And that's it. We need more people to get involved, and we need more people to get actively involved so that we can do stuff. We've pushed this thing about the skills that the supporters have got. You know, there are football supporters who are lawyers and accountants and PR professionals and engineers and whatever. All of those skills can be used, and people would willingly give up some of that for the club. Okay. Well, but the club won't re- recognise that for whatever so let's, reason. Let's tell me how uh, how do you get involved? How easy is it? What's the process? Really easy. So we have several strands of membership. Um, if we say like an introductory level, the the kind of you know light bite would say it's called associate membership and that's completely free so just go to our website which is www.thstofficial.com and click on the membership page couldn't be easier and just register your details it's literally email address name age that all the usual kind of stuff and that counts towards the four thousand uh no actually there's been more than that if you count associate members i would have thought but the meaningful so, members. but yeah 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 so that that's free that's completely free um you obviously get access to all our general information so everything on our website everything on our social media feeds, etc., etc., but you don't get a vote. Right. What's election. the most important? What do you want people to do? Come. Um, uh, ideally, sorry. Ideally, sign up as a full member, which is ten pounds a year for an adult or five pounds a year for concessions. Yep. Um, so that's under eighteen or over sixty-five, uh, and that gets you full voting rights. So you can stand for election. Uh, the AGM's coming up in the middle of February. Uh, you can vote. In, in an election, obviously, um, you get access to all our, you know, closed email stuff. So we'll send out our newsletters and any surveys or that kind of thing when we're looking to get a mandate or looking to get a position that will go out to our paid members. And we do need that money to survive. You know, we're all volunteers here. We don't take any money from it. We don't get any money from the club. I should just stress that. Um, so, and we don't even get that many biscuits, really. <laughs> you are obsessed with biscuits, aren't you? Yeah, yeah totally. completely. Biscuit monster. All about the biscuits. Um, one, one of my... Issues and they're not with trust. I find that uh, supporters' trust are crucial. They're essential. Um, but given the way the game's gone and how big football clubs are, is there any impetus from them to have to listen to the to, to the demands of the supporters' trust, other than the fact that it's it's for their financial gain or for their it makes decent business sense no they don't have to listen they, to they, the they don't, they don't have to meet you three times a year they don't recognise that it could make decent business sense though as well and but so, do they have to meet you three times a year does Tottenham have to meet you it's in our rules but there are plenty of trusts that exist with no dialogue with their club at all I mean must so the Manchester United supporters trust didn't speak to their club for ages because they were mainly set up to get out of the Glazers Spirit, Shankly, Spirit Shankly don't really speak to their club neither there's nothing in Tottenham's constitution that means that they have to speak to you there is in our constitution but right, I no, doubt but the, that there is in theirs no exactly exactly 
exactly. But I think it's all part of a, a, a growing trust movement. I mean, for me, the trust movement's never been more relevant, actually. Mm. Um, you've got more supporter-owned clubs coming on the scene now. I mean, even the fact that UEFA have made each club appoint a supporter liaison officer mm. is a step in the right direction, that they're recognising there needs to be a conduit there for dialogue between the fans and the club. The fact that the supporter liaison officer is paid by the club is an issue for me. I think that should be centrally funded. Um, Can sorry. I just jump yes. in there on the SLO stuff? We haven't probably s- said this much on the podcast, and Neil, we'll come on to you. Um, but I, uh, you know, I've got a lot of affection for Jonathan Waite uh, at Tottenham. I think he's a brilliant. What, what he can do, and in his role as SLO and an, an employee of the club, that well, someone who pays his wages, that pays his rent, essentially. He is great. He's 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 uh, shortlisted for uh, FSF SLO of the year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, well, well, we'll vote for him because in terms of his role and what what he does, he does it well. My problem isn't with Jonathan Waite at all. When I talk to him mm-hmm. on a weekly basis, it's the fact that there isn't an independent SLO. So it's great. Agreed. It's a great that is it FIFA you said UEFA UEFA has said that every club has to have an SLO. We need an independent SLO, mm. ideally from the fan base. Mm. And that's their role. Because Jonathan Waite can't go into these board meetings or can't go to Donna Cullen and say, I'm standing up for the fans here because it's right. Because ultimately they say, well, we pay your wages. Oh, he can do that, and he does do that. I'm sure he does. But But ultimately, ultimately, you're absolutely right. The the line is drawn on who pays your We think it should be independent. There's a debate about this because the the SLOs, if you talk to the SLOs, where it works most successfully is in Sweden and in Germany. Okay, there's a really different fan culture there. So they're, 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 they're actively involved fan culture. So this is a fan culture where, you know, you had 20,000 people turning up to a meeting at a German club who said, get rid of the secondary ticket exchange. They're, they're a version of StubHub. Yeah. And they, they voted that out. They made it impossible for the club to carry on with that. So it's force and numbers and organisation. And so the SLOs are created out of that culture. The problem that we've got, to be absolutely frank about it in England, is that the support movement ain't that strong. So there are criticisms of the way the SLO system is set up and the fact that the clubs have essentially said well, we'll convert the kind of customer relations officer into an SLO and that's it we've made it work a little bit better with Jonathan because we've said look it's probably in your interest to do this a little bit more ideally we would want a democratically accountable SLO who is seen as being genuinely representative of the fans and that isn't a criticism of the individuals in there but you know, English football clubs as they always do have tried to get around what you know the legislation or what they've been encouraged to do they don't like any interference from outside because they're private businesses again Tottenham was the first club yeah. to do this yeah yeah, yeah. We, d- flatting on the stock exchange and that sort of stuff as well and so, circumnavigated but, FA rules yeah yeah well, to, yeah. We were the first club. We deserve this fucking shit. (laughs) That's why we have to sort this out. That's why I'm behind what you're doing, Neil, and Enoch out, and behind a a militant trust. Because we fucking started this bollocks in in English football. We did, but we've got this problem is is that that for a lot of supporters' trust, and this conversation goes on, is that where we are in this country, can we afford to criticise the model of the SLO setup that we've got? Actually, we, we probably can't at the moment, so we've got to be a bit more gentle about it and say, we wish it was better, but we're quite glad that we've got what we've got. And it's really funny, because you talk to people in Germany, and I mean, I think a lot of people that are involved in the trust movement now are involved in any kind of all fans organisations to them. We're always going about how brilliant it is in Germany. Talk to the German reps, they go, why are you always going about how good it is? We, you know, we've got loads of problems. And we say to them, yeah, you have, and that's why it's so bad here, because we think that your problems are worse. But it's relative. Is, you know. it, is, is it just... Cause I only joined the Trust when we spoke, what, 18 months ago, yes. two years ago, right? And 
I think no matter where you are in the trust, I think you do some great things. Thank really, you. Really, really good things, okay? And this is I'm never, ever going to dig a trust accent. I know you've kind of changed step and you have been a bit more militant and you have pushed the club a lot more. If you read, take time and read your notes from meetings, etc. in the last couple of months, you can understand where you're coming from. Thank okay? you. And I've, but I do think because you're in a, you're in a tough situation. So there's some things you probably can't say and there's some things you probably can say and you don't want to piss off your only line of communication into the club. You don't want that cut off because that's going to affect the fans and what you're standing for. So then the club can basically just dictate to us again. And I think that's where we, as a collective, we need to be stronger, um, whether that's ourselves, whether that's other people and their thoughts and feelings. But as a collective, we need to be stronger. 4,000 people is, is a great number, but is that enough? You've got 14,000 followers enough. on Twitter. No, no we've got, we got 20,000 yeah, 20, followers on Twitter. Twitter. So, so there should be yeah. 20,000 people starting there. And that's just the starting point. Hopefully this podcast kicks off more people joining the trust, more people delivering questions to the board and to Enoch around why the club is structured, how it's structured, and the vi- overall the vision of the club. So it, I think today really help, might help people understand how much the trust does have that influence nowadays. Um, just to go back um, to what Neil said, I don't want there to be any illusions that, that we shirk any questions. We will go in there and we will ask the key questions, no matter how uncomfortable it is, because that's what we have to do. We have to represent our members. We have to represent you know, the wider fan base as well. We appreciate that we're the line of dialogue there. I tend to find that whilst you're, co- you're completely correct, the, the club are, are defensive and reactive, um, if you ask them a sensible question, then they will try and give you a sensible answer. A lot of the time, it will be commercially sensitive, so mm. they can't give you a full answer. But, you know, we, we really do go in there and we do, we do push stuff. We don't, you know, shirk mm. that at all. And I think that's what's been built. I mean, the interesting thing about the board meeting that's coming up is that I think lots of people, and, you know, we've got a bit of momentum behind us now, so when they say, oh, well, actually, it's commercially sensitive, or we'll tell you this, but we can't tell other people, we've actually said to them in the past, if we can't report what's happened... Right, then there is no point of being in this meeting. Okay, so let's not even continue the conversation. For, for people to take us seriously and to take what you're saying and what you want to communicate through us seriously, we've got to be able to report it and we've got to be able to be seen as independent. But it's a kind of, this is a, you would say that, wouldn't you? But I, I've got to say this, that it is brilliant having the support and people joining and send questions in and get ideas, but we need people to actually do things. You know, there are seven of us, we've got day jobs, we've got families or whatever. It's not a kind of... Poor old us, you know, we've elected to, we've decided to do this, we've taken a decision, so we'll take that on. But there is so much that needs to be done, right, and so much in terms of developing, you know, some fairly sort of, you know, around the stadium, for example, there's some quite intensive research and some stuff that really needs to be sorted out so that we can actually go and have a proper negotiating position. We haven't got the time, there are not enough hours in the day to even answer the amount of press inquiries that we were getting today after mm-hmm. the Adebayo comments, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So, you know, you could say, well, you lot would say that, stop mine or whatever. We need people who can do stuff and who can do stuff as part of that democratic movement as well. I can write Enoch out on massive sheets. <laughs> <laughs> I'll volunteer as well. no hashtag. No And to go back to your original point about, you know, supporters' movement being relevant, was that an original point? Can't remember. Yeah, yeah, in um, football, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've only got to look at the Labour Party proposals from the other week. Mm. 
trying, trying to get, you know, fan representation at board mm. level. I think, and there's this whole move that they call structured dialogue, which mm. has been, you know, banded around the trust circles for a couple of years now, uh, which is forcing clubs to talk to fans. Mm. So I think there is a recognition there. There's a, the fan engagement is a massive buzzword. We, we, we've got no we, illusions about that either. No. You know, that, that, that we, again, we had a discussion. Do we, you know, we put a statement out backing the proposals that the Labour Party put forward. And if people don't know that the Labour Party proposals were that if they get elected, they will say that fans should have a right to buy up to 20% of shares in the club mm. uh, if it gets put up for sale. Now, personally, there's an issue for us at, at Premier League level because having the right to buy 20% of something that's been it's valued at a million quid, of money. It, it's bollocks. And actually, do we want to raise more money for, you know, shake but, or whatever? But, but also, the other bit of the proposal, sorry, the other bit of the proposal is that, it's saying that if you're a properly constituted trust which shows that you're organised properly and you're serious and you can put the work in, you should have the right to get uh, up to two members or 25% of the board. So that builds in fans' representation into the corporate structure uh, of football clubs, and that would be a really big thing which would be resisted by the football authorities and all the individual clubs. It's not just the Labour Party. The coalition government have also set up this expert working group. It might well be that it's a reaction and they're just trying to, you know, it's another one of these talking shops and nothing happens, but it's chaired by a woman who's a, a prominent member of the Portsmouth Supporters Club who are the model, you know, that the Portsmouth Supporters Trust have taken over a club that was failed by the governance model of football in this country and was run into the ground by people who supposedly know what they're doing, okay, and they brought it back again. She's very, very well respected in the supporters' movement. And again, we haven't got any illusions about what goes on. What it proves is that all three of the major political parties and a number of the other smaller parties are saying football clubs have to formally involve their fans in the running of their club. Now, it might be that the right model is to take over the club. I don't think I ever see a time when Spurs fans are going to take over the club, but they're saying that it, 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 in other things, and Duncan Drasdo from the Man United Supporters Trust always says this, there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. Right? It might be a fan on the board. It might be a 20% ownership like that, or Swansea or whatever. So you work out what's appropriate at a particular level. But you know, that, that's the point about you know, why is a trust movement relevant. It is more relevant now. Because people have got off their backsides and done something and campaigned and demonstrated and there's a lot of discontent about the way the game's going. But the politicians are now, and as much as I mistrust them, you know, they are the people who are going to make the changes. And that what's been admitted, football has said, we don't need anybody to reform us, we can do it ourselves. No one believes that now, they're not going to do it. So the politicians are now saying, we're going to reform the game from outside. We've got to make sure that they do that. And how, the only way we do that is by acting. How can, how can a politician... So it's a bit long, but... Yeah, but how can a politician tell... Uh, private company. Tottenham now is. We're not floated anymore. Yeah, that's the difficulty, mm. isn't it? How can they actually remove... They can't yeah. remove a third of their board. They, how can, how, they can't do that, surely. I mean, well, no, no, they, no, they're playing politics. If, if the political will is there, you can do that. So you go back to what you were talking about, Tottenham started it off, and if you read David Conn's stuff, and I think most people, again, involved in the fans' movement have read David Conn's stuff over the years, he wrote a fantastic couple of books uh, called The Beautiful Game and, and Richard and God. And he... he, he uh, I agree with this. He goes back to Rule 34... Rule 34 used to say uh, you cannot take a dividend out of a club. You cannot own a football club and use that to enrich yourself as an individual. The money has to go back into the club. When Spurs floated on the stock exchange under Irving Scholar, Spurs said uh, to the FA, what about if we set up a company called THFC PLC, which owns a football club? Right, and, and that's where the shareholding is. But the football club is a division of the football business. And the FA went, OK, yeah. So it wasn't that they, they ignored the rule. They let a club get round it. Spurs never got a reply. 
when they wrote to the FA and said, can we do that? So Spurs got on and did it, and the FA didn't stop them. Fucking now, whether they typical. can go back again. But so we, 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 like, we, like I said, we yeah. fucked this. Yeah. We did. Now we it's, have to it's, sort it's it out. It's a bigger Fucking political argument. since 1882. <laughs> it's a bigger political argument. Do you think the role of a government is just to let people get on and do what they want, or should they intervene? I would rather Absolutely. the government intervened of in the course. economy and stopped telling us what to do, what to think and what to say. That's a personal view. But that's the big political debate that's going on. Where it manifests itself in football is about this debate. If the political will is there, absolutely the politicians can say you must have representation from one of your stakeholder groups if you want to use the lingo, and that's the fence. So I think it's just going back to that, that 20% point that all the political parties have mentioned. Okay, So at the moment we've got the independent shareholders mm, from shareholders. Yeah. We've got 15%. Right? So you mobilise that, possibly turn that into 20 Suddenly you've got a fairly decent stakeholder voice. And technically, if politicians follow through with their promise of saying you've got shares, you know, fans own 20% of the club, suddenly we're more than a stakeholder. OK, I mean, look, yeah, that is, that's a valid point and Absolutely. we could listen to politicians and, and the idea that they actually tell the truth and follow <laughs> through on their promises pre-election and post-election that uh, is, is probably unlikely. I mean, they're playing politics. Might, it might not they, be... They, might. they do sometimes, you know. They do, they do sometimes. Political change has been achieved but, by mass movements of people. But we can still... Personal get, view. But. We can still get militant. Yeah. We can still do the right things. You can get active, mm. uh, active uh, and, and change this culture in, in English football to just be passive. Mm. And we just wouldn't have to vote if people haven't got militant. It's, sometimes it's time. I know you're, you're uh, Martin. I mean, you're, you're, you're a left wing. Yeah, you're I know my colours to the mast. You yeah, do, you I do. Proves my point. Uh, and, and 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 it's a fair thing to, to to kind of ask people to do is the fact that if you're unhappy with it, then do something. Do make make an Enoch out Twitter account and then decide what what we have to do I later. Think, but also as well, just that point, whether it's right right politics or left politics, right? I'm I'm probably completely opposite to Martin's political point of views, right? Mm. But there is common ground there because technically I should be like embracing what Levy does for the club. Actually, no, but that's my. But again, that's using my own political stance to say actually I do have a right of view to say this, and I can change it like this via yeah. probably a more commercial approach, right? Mm. But we still are saying the same thing. So some of it depends how you present it. I mean, people when you talked about the cooperative movement, which is what a lot of the supporters trust movement is based on, it's supporters directs and the governance movement. It came out of the last Labour government, you know, ninety seven. It's one of the first things they set up. The only thing that really came out of that football task force, which which was a bit of a shambles in the end. Um, but how do you present it? You say, okay, cooperative movement. It's a good idea, but it's just a bunch of sandal wearing hippies eating lentils, uh, or it's John Lewis. Right, which is a really successful commercial retail business, which is a cooperative. Okay, so what kind of cooperative are you talking about? Uh, so that can be, you can embrace that from the right of politics or from the left of politics as well. And your point is exactly right. We'll probably vote for different parties or a totally different point of views. But on this, you know, we're saying the same thing. You know, whether you call it the big society or socialism or collectivism or just everybody being part of a club, it's about people having an influence on something that they care about and they put money into and they're involved with. So the John Lewis Penguin is a socialist. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> I haven't seen this advert yet. Oh, fuck, I'm not, hopefully never yeah. see it. I fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I only found out the other day that it wasn't a question about penguins coming up in the <laughs> I only found out the other day. I, I should have clocked this, but when he shows the two little cuddly toys, that in fact that was going to be the whole ad. Oh my god. I, yeah. I can't believe you've actually said that on air. We're not discussing. We are not discussing John Lewis adverts. No, we're really not. John Lewis have contributed no money to the making of this podcast. Shops are available. A big issue for the trust and for anybody who's associated with Tottenham. Are interested in this stadium? Yeah. We we talked about it uh, last week, saying that the time has passed. We've missed the boat. The stadium will not be built. 
in my opinion, that it won't happen. I don't think we can build that stadium anymore. The key thing would be that the, the diminishing um, attendances at White Lane. You saw at Villa, you saw at Newcastle. It's 44,000 people on the season waiting to season ticket waiting list. Though. Obviously, there's not because just just. Uh, but I, I think there's an issue there, isn't there? Because the club haven't actually asked the bronze members whether they're on that list hmm. for the priority booking window I've, or for a season I'm ticket. On, I'm on the list. list. I've been offered. And, and are you on the list for a season ticket or for priority booking? I'm on the list for a season ticket. Okay. And I've been offered. I'm, I'm about two thousand. Yeah. I've been offered, been offered yeah. a season You're ticket. Younger. Yeah, <laughs> I've been offered a season ticket for the last three seasons. Yes. No, no, sorry, last two seasons, and I've turned it down each time because uh, well, the main reasons I can't afford it. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, but that's the that's the key issue. But the other key issue is that I want to go with my of my course. family. So I, th- I think going back to Neil's point, if we did get a new stadium, then that's when that list would really kick in because then Flav would get the opportunity to sit with his mates in an area that he wants to sit in yeah. at a price point that he wants to pay. So hopefully, so in a safe I, I think standing that, area, which that would said they back after pressure from the trust and the trust movement. Absolutely. How has this worked with City and Arsenal when they move stadiums? Where people sat together. With, with yeah, them. yeah. So fan migration was probably one of the key reasons I got involved in the trust of the, the whole new stadium thing. Because for me, it's vitally important that that stadium is built with supporters at the heart. And for me, sitting with my mates and being in an area that I'm happy is 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 really important. It's important to all fans. Absolutely. So we will sit down. I mean, we had a meeting with Ian Murphy. He's the head of ticketing and memberships. Man, he's, like Ian Murphy. Yeah, he, <laughs> Ian. He's the um, he's the big cheese on all this. And I can't. Was it about? Did he say it was about 40% of his time there? Hmm. Was was taken on fan migration issues, basically, working towards the new stadium. Yeah. So for all those people who say we won't, they won't lay a brick, do you their think staff you... are working on it. So, OK, so do, do you think then, uh, based on all the information you've had as a trust, some of it unofficial, something you can't talk about, but based on everything you've heard, do you think the stadium will be built? I can't see why they would have bought 71 independent... Well, 71 businesses on independent deals. Can I offer a caveat to that? I can as well. It's an investment, right? The land is an investment. They can still go and build flats on it and still make money the same as they did at Highbury. It's still an investment. This is one of the key questions we need to ask at the board meeting. Are we talking about a stadium development or are we talking about a property development deal now? Because remember, Enoch, they are 13 years into a three-year plan to sell the club. (laughs) (laughs) So what is their... No, that that, that is absolutely true. They wanted to sell the club after three years. That was the business plan. Hmm. Right? So Paul, what's, Paul their exit, what's their exit strategy? Well, this is the thing, because, you know, Paul Kelsey was ended up buying half of Tottenham and half mm-hmm. of Wembley at mm-hmm. one point when they mm-hmm. first bought the club. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. That can go on record. Um, half that land and most of the other land that Enoch own are kind of in other areas which you kind of look at and think, hmm, but they move but around there, This is an example. interesting thing where the, the, we... I, had something and when Saturday comes a couple of months ago and uh, and I said that if Spurs move out of uh, I know we'll get onto this bit but there's a chance that you know they've said we'll have to move away from White Lane well if they move away from Tottenham is there any guarantee they move back because oh, this is just ridiculous conspiracy theory stuff you know why would they build a stadium well you build a stadium but you don't necessarily need to have Tottenham Hotspur Football Club playing in that stadium what does that mean? talk about the NFL at the moment for what does this oh, mean no, no, no. it's too much too much but, but these are the questions that we need to get answered and these are the, it's not just us that's asking it. these are the conversations that go among Spurs fans what, what is the deal is it about property is it about the stadium what sort of stadium do you want what, what, what's the plan what, how does the money stack up in terms of us not having any extra seating capacity for the last eight years you know when the stadium was, was announced eight years ago and it was supposed to be we're going to get those extra numbers in and then we'll compete in the Champions League if we get a 50,000 capacity stadium are we really going to be able to compete with Man United's wage bill with their 70,000 capacity stadium and their sponsorship deal on their shirts which is worth half of what the entire stadium bill is supposed to be it, it's a myth as well so what do we want it for 
You know, that, that's one of the key questions. I and mean, then what's their strategy? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, well, I know the amount of hours we're putting in on the stadium at the moment at the Trust, the stadium and the grand share are the, the two key things that, you know, we're... we're taking we're, up all their time. It is, actually, that we're busy beavering away on. Um, Martin's quite right. I mean, it will dominate the board-to-board -board meeting. Um, we have a lot of questions that we, we want answered, don't we, really? Are, are we going to MK? <sighs> I, well, I, I mean, the Trust has never formally come out with a written position mm. on this, but what solid, do you think? Sorry, you can have an exclusive. We, we, we are categorically against going to MK Dons, and we have asked the club to take it off the table. Because mm. logistically, and, and there, will be, there will be friends that disagree with that. As well, uh, as yeah, no, I'm sure they will be. But, yeah. but it's important to just. We're against it. Someone's wanted to get to Stratford. What do you we're, think? we're against it because of the travel. Right, because of the loss of identity yeah. going outside of London. And also there is the issue with what MK represents and the franchise club as well. Is that, 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 is, that is an argument between two other clubs, but it's something that we have an opinion on as a trust. Wait, they disagree with you... Oh, right. That's yeah. what, what some, some, some fans are going, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. the problem with Milton Keynes? Who are the you people? Yeah. The fans who live near Milton Keynes, for a start. The ones who will be tweeting after they hear this tomorrow night, why the fuck have they said they're against going to Milton Keynes? But Ricky, we're categorically against Ricky, it. Ricky came in the other day naked with MK tattooed on his chest. I can chest believe it. This is absolutely no, true. But they said, well, so that, but that just whole stems back to the Enid plan of strategy that when they originally showed us seven years ago as the plan for the new stadium, we were never going to move from Tottenham. It was Three quarters build, new stadium, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the original plans, and it's been all the way through. But then they changed the company. Well, they, they, they changed they're, they're it. Doesn't stack mediated. up financially. Now it, that might be true. Tell, us, tell, us, why. tell us why it doesn't stack up financially. Yeah. Right. And and, and how going? You know, all, what was it? Fifty miles, forty-eight miles away. How does it's that stack up miles. financially? Yeah, 50 and it will miles. cost way over three hundred pounds on a standard train fare to get to nineteen league games, which is train companies are not going to sit there and go, "Oh, we got thirty thousand coming in." And interestingly, us franchising ourselves up to Milton Keynes would destroy the original franchise club because Premier League rules say if there's a stadium share, the Premier League club takes priority. So, does any MK Dons fans who think it's a good idea? It's a really bad idea for MK Dons. I um I I think it's less of an issue about where we have to travel. I can understand the uh, the logistics of having to move in London and why that's difficult and I can understand the club considering moving us away just for one season out of North London alright I can accept that but, but tell us but, why but tell not to that reasons. fucking hell mouth not to that not to that place but would you say it's alright to go to Brighton for example yeah I, I'd feel like yeah, yeah. I, do you know what if I had a choice out of the two I'd go to Brighton I'd go to I Wembley I think there's still an issue with moving out of North London uh, no, no, which I is don't... a discussion we've got to have as a trust. Look, I, th yeah. there, there well, is. There that's is, my you, personal opinion. You know how I feel about these things. Yeah. You know how, how strongly I feel about these things. But I, I understand that this it, moving away to build the stadium, is a, there's, a, there's a, a necessary evil in order for, to, for that to happen. If they can prove if they can that communicate that genuinely the yeah. only reason, I think most fans are going, you know what, but not don't like it, but all right, let's go. Not there. <laughs> so yeah. we've, Never there. We've been pushing really hard for... Fan consultation on this. I, I, Didn't I, they offer it? Though? For me, well, they did kind of turn around and said that we'd done that for them by running a survey in yeah. uh, in May and June. Uh, no, and they also said they're not ruling anything out, but they're not ruling yeah. anything in because it's all theoretical. I think it's, all it's absolutely vital. What was that, the what was the result of that consultation? Uh, it was ninety odd percent wanted Wembley today, yeah. and then there's like twenty percent. FA Wembley. I mean, that's you can't do that for a season. FA just you just can't do it. It's, it's, it's a form. 
full capacity. We, we don't think that the, uh, as we far as we can see, the clubs never that. asked the FA, and also the FA apparently is prioritising NFL. Of course, it is. Over one of its own member clubs Absolutely. in its elite league of twenty clubs. Why? Because there's why, more money. Why isn't there a fuss being made about that? Because it is all it's still the football comes association. It's not the, the the London Sport Association. It's not the mayor of London. It's the football association. When 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 they're prioritising getting a franchise NFL club to play league games in London over the the the, the well being of a, a Premier League football club or any kind of football club, you know the game is fucked. Mm-hmm. And that's what the and FA are doing. A lot, a lot doing. of NFL fans are as fucked off about NFL games being played regularly as part of the league programme in London as a lot of English football fans are about this 38th game being played abroad as well. Just to clarify on Wembley, um, there is nothing in their rules that says we couldn't use it for a full league season. It's full capacity events. Full capacity so events. we would shut off the upper tier and run a 52,000-seater stadium. Mm. So that's... Just to yeah, put yeah. that myth to bed. So, who, who's saying that that is an issue? Uh, it's, it's been on social media. Okay. Okay. Well, think so they, they won't, they won't allow that number of events okay. in well, Brent yeah. because of local authority rules or whatever. You can't have uh, more events of over 50,000 capacity, mm. but if you shut off the top tier, you can have many more events. Yeah, exactly. So, from a, a trust point of view on the whole stadium, we want to strip it right back, really. We want to know mm. why we can't expand White Hart Lane. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.